think is. And it maybe even starts with this Christmas thing with like all these presents overflowing from the tree, you know? <laughs> and it's like, this is where American families are happy when there's $2,600 bags overflowing from underneath the Christmas tree. That's so, it, it, like, I'm telling you, this story is so out of control because it's now, like, if you if you just tuned in and started listening, you'd be like, wait a second, so Christmas caused Donald Trump? Like, <laughs> like, like I get that, that Trumpy and, and Kris Kringle have a similar stature. That's about... <laughs> we now bring you Enter the Freud... Dude, it's so. This is such a weird conversation about like Christmas, where everyone is just supposed to get it, and you just play along like you get it. Except because we're psychologists and we have this weird lens where people come and tell you all the facets of how they don't get it. Yes. And that not only do they not get it, it's freaking them out. Yes. And and the, yeah, our lens as psychologists is this kind of like confusing dissonance with the rea with the the facade that's presented on TV commercials and in the shopping malls this time of year where everyone gets it and everyone's happy and there's nice sparkling lights everywhere and then you and me both what our patients are telling us and then our I think the other thing that we're struggling with right now is we because we're psychologists, we look beneath the surface and try to see what's really going on under there, and it starts to get murky and, and dubious, and we're like, whoa, what the fuck is this thing? I remember as a kid, I probably was 10 years old, and I think most kids when they're young, they just kind of go with the flow of Christmas and they're taught that Christmas is the super fun time and they're gonna get presents. And there's this idea that Santa Claus comes down the chimney and puts presents under your uh, Christmas tree and you wake up in the morning and open them and that's super cool. So I like think that I'm kind of like brainwashed into the Christmas magic as a 10 year old. <laughs> we were at my aunt's house and I went, I think I was going to go to the bathroom, and so I went into the back. She kind of has a big house, and I went to the back room, and then I went, for some reason, just to explore around her house, I went into this room, and there's just kind of this dark, lonely room, and my uncle is sitting back there. And I'm like, hey, what are you doing? We talk or something, and then I, I think I could just kind of tell that he wasn't in the Christmas spirit, so I kind of asked him, and he's like, Christmas is the worst day of the year. <laughs> And I remember just being like shocked, like what the hell did he just say? It was like this <laughs> shocking, confusing revelation. And I was like, what What do you mean? Why? He, and he was like, well, everyone's like supposed to be happy and get together with your family. And that's not how it is. That's a lie. And so it's just everyone's lying and everyone, no one really likes each other. And everyone's kind of depressed and pretending they're not. And it sucks. <laughs> oh my God. And I remember it just like totally was like this slap. It kind of like rattled my childhood innocence. But on the other hand, it sort of like uh, spoke to like the budding intelligence in a young kid you know it's like kids know that there's a there's kids have this wiser smarter side of them that people normally try to not speak to and he sort of said this thing that I kind of had a sense that oh there is that and there is truth to that and it's kind of nice that someone's yeah. finally being honest with me
see, that's a, that's a very strange story where you're kind of supposed to, this is, I got in trouble for, for telling my kid that the elf isn't actually magical, right? That it doesn't travel from the North Pole and that if you touch it with your hands, it messes up the elf. I don't know what that is. I, I couldn't understand the story. But at some point, as my son was explaining this, and I could see that he was, he was trying to tell it to me as if it was truth. And I, and I had to say at some point, like, bro, you're eight. That's a little too old to be doing this magical thinking thing. And I don't know why other people are going along with this. Because it's fun. In, in the morning, you move the elf. And then, you know, it's now hanging from the moose antlers. And then over here, it seems to be, like, in a boot, in a ski boot or whatever, right? And, and I'm like, oh, wow, okay, that's fun game. But then when you see someone doing this, and they, they seem to be buying into it well that disturbed me and then i was i felt the need maybe like your uncle did to kind of just tell him yeah dude this this is like a silly thing and uh and then he was like yeah he'd said to me yeah i know dad i'm just going along with it so that everyone else is everyone everyone has a fun time yeah and i was like but it was so strange because i could see he was conflicted it was almost like he knew my reality, but he also like knew the other one. He could hold both at the same time. Now he's too old and he can't he there's no imagination that the elf is real. Yep. But in that moment when I when I said, Hey dude, like you like we I can't play this with you, right? That that was that was a weird it just kind of spoke to, to that story of your small self. Well yeah, it speaks to this um it's probably a paradox. They're probably both true. The magic and wonder of Christmas and the sobering reality. Those are these two different perspectives and, and like there's truth to both of them. And it, your story made me think of I, when my son was very little, I had this kind of the same question you're asking and I kind of wondered, oh, what's the best way to do this whole Santa Claus myth with your kids because i saw this what kind of the norm in america right now is you deceive your kids in into you try to keep them believing that santa claus is real for as long as possible and i think a lot of kids maybe most kids eventually kind of have this like painful disillusionment when they find out that their parents have been really going to great extents to lie and deceive them and there's kind of like this painful disillusionment um, and so I kind of did a lot of studying and I even found some research done about this and I concluded and most of the research that I did concluded that there is a best way to handle the Santa Claus thing. And here's what it is. It's that you should deal with Santa Claus in the same way you deal with all other like imaginary things. So say, for instance, if you're playing dinosaurs with your kid and you come up and you're like, hey, Hey, Jimmy, you want to go um, eat some little dinosaurs? Yeah, let's do it. And so you're pretending that the dinosaurs talk, right? Yeah. Um, and kids can do that. And the kids will pretend the dinosaurs talk. And we have this whole fun game of pretending that the dinosaurs talk. But yeah. then you don't later try to trick them and deceive them into thinking, yeah, dinosaurs really can talk. And, the, and look, 
here's the archaeological evidence that shows that dinosaurs really can talk and then go into this elaborate thing of deceiving them. You don't do that. You just keep it as like imagination is a really fun thing. And like Santa Claus is going to come down the chimney and bring presents. And isn't that super cool? And they get that it's like this fun, imaginative game that we're creating. And anyways, the research suggests that that's the healthiest thing because it kind of preserves the magical world and the real world all along, as opposed to what parents usually do is they're trying to totally preserve the magical world and then eventually the magical world dies and the kid is just left in the fucking barren reality where there's no fucking magic. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's, that's depressing. But let, let me ask you something, because as you were talking, it made me think of the, the imagery that, that I used to see when I was driving around as a kid and I would see these houses and they had outside their house was these kind of stories, these Christian stories, right? Depicted in, in Jesus, is, there's a baby Jesus or something. I don't understand what Christmas is biblically. Do you yeah, know? so the story you usually see is uh, Jesus' birth because Christmas, and interestingly, historically, December 25th is not the actual day Jesus was born on. We just, a long time ago, when Christians were like raiding and, and trying to convert other non-Christian um, groups in like Northern Europe, they decided to like co-opt and take their various pagan holidays. And they're like, oh, wow, there's all these people celebrating some birth or something around the, the, the winter solstice. All right, let's just tell them that Jesus was born then. And so that'll help make them Christian. And so the whole thing is this massive charade that Jesus actually wasn't <laughs> even born on December 25th. But That's so the, crazy. I know. But the thing you're talking about is the manger scene. And the story is that Jesus was born in a manger, which is like a horse stable, and that these kings came from far away because there was this prophecy that this great second coming God in a baby form was going to be born. So they came and visited him in this horse stable. And so now people recreate that. They have like the baby yeah. Jesus in like a horse trough, like in hay, and then there's animals around and stuff. Yeah, that's the scene that I remember. But so listen, this is a terrible thing. I, somebody doesn't like what I'm about to say, but it's like in the same way that you, it's it's slightly psychologically inappropriate to deceive children about the magic of Santa too late in development. But then again, it's like this mythical story of religious figures. We teach kids early on and then you tell them it's real, just like dinosaurs speaking. And, you, and then you, you make this like strange archaeological history that supports this kind of fantastic reality where water becomes wine and whatever else, endless amounts. Of, it, 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 it doesn't matter which religious tradition you look at, they all have these, these magical stories that go with them, right? People are cured from leprosy if you're in India, since that's a scary thing, and then depending on where you are around the world, you're cured of various ailments and then riches come to you if you go along with this magical thing. And it's like, why is that in, in some way normalized? But then like at some point, it seems, it seems odd to deceive your kids about the magic of Kris Kringle coming down and eating cookies that you've left on the thing. 
Yeah, I, it is. It's a common impulse where parents want to like deceive the kids, and it's probably a well-meaning thing. They just want to keep the magical fun alive. But I think it it ultimately serves the opposite purpose: is it ends up being disillusioning, and it leads more to this like disillusioned. There's no magic in the world. The world's a fucking boring, flat, mechanistic place. Dude, what about when you're when you're just like getting involved in a new romantic relationship and you kind of like try to hold this facade of who you are together as long as possible and you don't really admit that, hey, we can't kind of go out to dinner every single night because I'm actually starting to go broke, right? <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally, dude. <laughs> and so totally. You kind of like try to lie to keep it going that, oh, yeah, yeah, like uh, whatever, whatever the hell is your presentation because people come in mostly with an with an unreal presentation of who they are right and it's like the, in that world it's so it's so obvious unless you're just doing some like flagrant um catfishing where you're announcing that you're taller than you are the pictures aren't even you like that, that that's insane but then for for normal people who meet under various circumstances you kind of like immediately have this air about you that's a little more successful it's a little more friendly and totally. ha, ha, funny totally it's you what? you're creating a fiction a romantic fiction yeah and dude is is there any way that we can get out of this feeling that we're kind of just like we're all, like i feel like we're condemning everything we're just like ew look at all this I don't like well, how yeah, this but feels. I, I kind of was doing that until you brought up the romance thing. And now my mind is switching because and this sort of opens up an interesting question about um, romance and Christmas. And actually, my mind's also connecting to the third thing is what we were talking about in Hollywood about like this ego inflation where a person is like, I am a god. Look at how amazing I am. It's a similar thing. Is There's like the fantasy of the best romance or the fantasy of Christmas or the fantasy of the hero or the Hollywood superstar, right? And we were kind of condemning all that. But now when you brought, when you connected it to romance, I'm thinking, I don't know, actually we need that. Cause like the romance thing, like we want to like get to go into, you know, like get super dressed up and go out to a fancy restaurant and have a glass of wine and kind of like go into that cloud of romantic intoxication and then go make love and it just sort of the life is fucking so great when you're in that mode and i think humans need that you know a few times a week wait so see the, this is a very strange distinction it was almost like unconsciously i felt the need to expose and condemn these other forms right these other forms of, of slight manipulation for whatever the reason, cultural, familiar, whatever that is. Um, I have no idea why there's, there's a, I just got interrupted by sons. What is it saying? Well, sorry, it was something just popped up on my screen obscuring this. Well, that, that interrupted my... Do you know what we were talking about? Yeah, yeah. And I, I have a thought. So I'll just go and then you, you'll, it'll help you remember what you're saying. Yeah, we, that we were, we were kind of like aiming to condemn or psychoanalyze or show how humans attempt to like 
create a fantasy and push the fantasy too far was juvenile. Um, and then just now we were kind of retracting that. But I, no, I think, there, I think there is reason to condemn it. But I, maybe we need to be specific about what we're condemning. I think the need to create fantasies and romance and idealization images is necessary. But the problem is, is when we want to like believe in those wholeheartedly. So like, yeah, you meet a new woman and you fall in love and it's so great. And that, that space we get into that ecstatic in love space is so great. But if you believe in it wholeheartedly, you're going to crash that plane. I, I think the wise way to do it is to get into that space and try to maintain it and try to enjoy it, but never like g fall into it hook, line, and sinker and think that this is going to be the salvation and happily ever after. It's like, it's like you want to have one foot in but one foot out. And you want to fully enjoy it, but you don't want to like put all your eggs in that basket and like think that you're now going to be happily ever after. Dave, you're basically saying like you could write a book that's like how to fall in love and safely. Totally. Like 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 as if there's a thing where you could you could literally write a prescription of here's how to fall in love and like reduce the risk pretty significantly. And it's like like how long do you think it takes? How many times do you have to go all in and then get burned before you learn to kind of maintain your feet in both worlds, right? Which is so strange because it literally goes back to my son's eight-year-old de depiction to me that, yeah, I know, Dad, and he's sh he just showed me that he's in both worlds, right? Yep. He just shows me, yeah, I'm standing in both worlds. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, wh that was weird. Yep. Right? Like, th this idea that you could do this in a way, because I, I see the, 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 the reason why I'm so... Uh, having a reaction to this conversation is I literally feel like if you go too far towards the the identification with magical and unfounded awesomeness, you're you're like slated for narcissism. And I, I mean it like internally as a, as a human being, if you start to just attribute too much specialness without any real without any, any achievement associated with it. Like you get, you get a, a $2,600 handbag when you have no job, you, you've never had a job. I'm like, dude, what is this? Like this is, that's where the darkness is coming from in myself during this, right? It's, yep. it's like, I have this deep kind of awareness that, and it's kind of coming from recently getting on, on TikTok and Instagram where it's just like, I'm watching these, these like constant displays of people with this kind of like claims of this is how I got so buff and this is how I made so much money and this is how I, it's just weird. I'm letting the algorithm feed me anything and that's yep. what it's feeding me. It's yep. just feeding me a massive dose of narcissism. Yes, totally. Unf like well, I think it's to affiliate. I think um, we the that the what I. Well, a, a while back, I was talking about the archetype of expansion versus contraction, and we're kind of talking about it now in terms of the magic, the magic of Christmas, or the magic of new love versus the reality of Christmas or the re long-term reality of relationships. So the expansion, contraction, and you, we get it's so easily to get addicted to the magic of new love 
or the magic of Christmas or the magic of individualistic success and we get addicted to it and we think that it's going to be this never-ending ascent to glory and it is a narcissistic thing and it's an inevitable like horrible crash too yeah that horrible crash is something that i can't quite figure out how we're supposed to um how how you're supposed to deal with it's almost like like I see so many avenues headed towards almost promoting that that a, a new part of the the new story of the American dream is that you should just boast that you are successful, boast that you have more than than you do, start to like just tell a fictional tale about yourself, and I just am wondering, like there used to be a checks and balances about that in our society like you remember when you're a teenager and everyone went through that phase when people would start to to announce that they were they were something you're, you're searching for that identity of who you are and people kind of start saying that they're really good at something or that at their house they have three jet skis and it turns out it's not true yeah totally. right like you kind of experiment with that and then i i don't know like what what are we doing if we're promoting that as an actual avenue that then somehow gets reward and then it's not like i see you and i having problems with that but i see these young kids getting exposed to that as a reality and then i hear their tales and they'll say things like yeah but like at least those the like those guys may be fools but look at all the money they're getting mm. Like it validates it somehow. Hmm. And that made me think of that. I'm guessing those kids, and it's, I think it's another thing in this in our culture that fits this same archetypal dynamic is that parents. I think the parents are training their kids to be this way because the parents are sort of. Um, addicted to or in love with some vision that their kid is going to be great and thus the kid rather than being loved and accepted for just the ordinary kid he is the kid starts to like realize oh i i will be great i need to be great and that's where i'll be happy or something so i think the trajectory probably starts really early with the kids and it maybe even starts with this christmas thing with like all these presents overflowing from the tree, you know? <laughs> and it's like, this is where American families are happy when there's $2,600 bags overflowing from underneath the Christmas tree. That's so, it, it, like, I'm telling you, this story is so out of control because it's now, like, if you if you just tuned in and started listening, you'd be like, wait a second, so Christmas caused Donald Trump? <laughs> Like, 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 I get that that Trumpy and and Chris Kringle have a similar stature. That's about. <laughs> there's like, there's a similarity. But they like, both have dude, rosy cheeks. <laughs> they just need to attach a beard to Trump in this. I, I I need to do that for this clip right here to be like, <laughs> and so then he's come out to give his presents. Right. Like, you remember when Trump was elected and there was a huge amount of people, including my aunt, 
that believed that we were all going to become millionaires as a result. Oh. Did you did you hear that? Yeah, I, I, and not not first person, but yeah, I, I heard stories about that. Yeah, we, literally because Trump was president, we were all going to become millionaires. Yes. And I was like, that is astounding. Yeah, right? well, like he's going to come I, I out with this, this connection you've made between Trump and Santa Claus. And people believed that they were all going to be millionaires because Trump somehow offered a promise of glory. Yeah. And I think that part of the Christmas spirit and part of Santa Claus for people is offering a similar promise of just a good life where Santa Claus will bring you whatever $2,600 bag you want. Yeah. You want a million dollars? Yeah, here it comes. Whee! <laughs> Of course, everyone gets a million dollars and and the million dollars somehow maintains its value. Right? Like even though everyone has it, you all get Lamborghinis, everybody gets nobody realizes like you you don't get very much with with a million dollars if you start like buying houses and Lamborghinis. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just It doesn't matter. It's the fantasy of the age of abundance and the land where milk and honey flows and we're all happy and Shangri-La and the, the you know, it's just a, it's a old archetypal fantasy that, um, that haunts us. And back yeah, to the good well, side of it. And thank God that we're, we have this alluring fantasy that drives us with passion and hope and creativity and insanity. The insanity that is exhibited in, in pursuit of the fantasy is kind of a great part of these this nutty american and human enterprise i wish it was always great right but as we we look at the strange pathology that associates with i can't i don't know why do you got to stop me man i keep just gravitating towards christmas i'm like the grinch dude i i realize it right your uncle was the grinch and i'm the grinch because i like i keep thinking about Christmas and now now I'm like dude why does everyone become suicidal during during this kind of a holiday spirit why are there more people who kill themselves during this time right and yeah what what is that what is I the, need to the, be stopped to, what is don't the, let me well what just tell it, me it, no. it's still a good question it, like that's a thing is like something happens around Christmas and so, not everyone but some people are hit with a painful loneliness or a painful hopelessness or and i think it's the, i think it's the contrast of the fantasy of warmth and connection and intimacy in contrast to the reality when a person doesn't feel that would so look if that if if we we're really on to something then wouldn't it be the case that when all of these people who expect trump to come down the chimney and deliver us free from all of the heathens and the millions that we that we are is our birthright when it doesn't come are people going to start killing themselves or either kill themselves or more likely they're going to start raging at the person who they think is responsible for them not getting their millions aha okay that i like that it seems much more realistic than like mass suicide uh due to to the the law uh, although who knows Someone may freak out so bad when they realize it isn't coming. Because I got to say, it's not coming, right? Like the, No, no the, it's not coming. And I, 
there's three different responses pop into my head. I'm sure there's more than this, but here's the three that pop into my head. Well, two of them are kind of this interesting psychoanalytic idea, which I'll share because it's kind of interesting. In psychoanalysis, they really focus on... The one thing I like about the psychoanalytic world is they see the like brutal animal inside every human. And when, I, when the brutal animal inside every human doesn't get what we want... Uh, like the, the response is aggression according to the psychoanalysts and the aggression is either going to be turned outward so if you don't give me what i want porn i'm fucking going to come attack you and yeah and if i don't get what i want i'm going to find someone who's responsible for this and i'm going to attack them and the um the trump supporters think that it's the democrats that it so they attack them and when Trump didn't win the election, they go raid the Capitol because they're like, fuck this, this is not okay, we're going to attack, right? And the liberals think it's the Trump supporters and the racists and the capitalists. And oh, so they go on attack mode. Okay, but that's just the first thing that people can do when they don't get what they want. And that's aggression okay. turned outward. The other thing that can happen is aggression yeah. turned inward, which is yeah, yeah. you attack yourself. And that's what leads to depression and suicide. It's like, I'm a horrible person. And so the right. anger is turned inside. And those are the people that end up killing themselves, or at least just get super depressed and hopeless. And when you're depressed, you just lose all motivation. And you're just like, and you're sick But so Dave, before you answer the third one, could you explain like, why is this, both of them are a cognitive distortion. It's like they're, they're an attribution error. Because in both cases, you individually are not the source of this, this discrepancy in the world. The fact that we, you thought milk and honey was coming, or in this case, you thought millions of dollars are coming to you, turns out it's wrong. And then you, it's not because you're faulty, right? But it's somehow the environmental story, the, the envelope from which you were, you were born is somehow distorted. There's something going on in the, in the same way that if you th said the problem was the Democrats, well, that's also an attribution error. Right, you're you're attributing the error within these people who you don't even really know who they are. Right, yep. it's a group of people that you can't even really point to. Like if you ask me, well, who are the Democrats? Well, there's a couple of people on TV, and then it's some guys down the block who have a sign that supports it. Right, like that's who Democrats are. What the fuck is this? Right, like the 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 per as as simplified as those two answers were. Sorry to do this again, but here we are. I'm I'm just saying like, well what is actually going on? What, what is the thing that truly disturbs us, our, our minds? Why, why are we disturbed? Is that... Why are we, you mean, why are we disturbed when we don't get what we want? Yeah, why are we disturbed when it becomes obvious that what, we, what was slated for us isn't coming? Like, uh, I, yeah, it's a good question. I think we're disturbed because we foolishly and immaturely invest all our hopes in happiness in life on getting the thing that we want. And whether that's the millions that Trump, we thought Trump was going to give us, or whether that's the happiness because we met our soulmate and we thought that soulmate was going to make us happy, or whether it's I thought I was going to win the lottery, or I thought I was going to like get into med school and become a doctor and be rich and be happy. And, and I put my hopes on happiness for the future into something and then when I don't get that, it's like, oh, why, I, I can't survive without that. And like, you can't survive. So you have to blame someone and go on attack or kill yourself. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, okay. So that that does seem pretty self-explanatory. Do you remember the third thing that yeah, you were going to Yeah, I do point remember. Out? And now I have a third and a fourth. And maybe I'll, so I'll separate into this. The first and the second are both immature responses. Okay. Like blaming other or blaming self. And then the next two are both mature responses. Um, and one is a, I'll call it, I don't, I don't know what the what words. It could be tragic versus romantic or like hopeful versus equanimity. So the the mature responses are you accept the fact you don't get what you want and it sucks, yeah. but like whatever, I'm going to have to deal with it. And I can either deal with it by getting motivated and restarting and working really hard to find a new path towards maybe I can get what I want. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, I kind of, I'm tempted to say that's the less mature, but I don't think so. I think that there's this paradox where I'm not sure which one of these is more mature, or maybe you need to have both, I'm not sure. But if I had to say one is less mature, this is the less mature one, because it's still a little bit a belief that I'm going to get to the land of milk and honey. Yeah. And then the fourth one, if that was romantic, this next one is tragic, is you accept that you're not going to get to the land of milk and honey, and that's okay, um, but you still can like live life and you can still have an okay life even though you're not going to be famous or you're not going to get the million dollars or you're not going to win the lottery or whatever and you can kind of like accept that whoa i want there to be an end with a fifth one where i become like an unusually late blooming rap star even though i'm white <laughs> i've never rapped before in my life right dude i i see you laughing because you think it's funny but i need this I need a dream. I want to become some, well, okay, forget rapping. I want to become somehow like uh, the, the latest ever recognized MMA superstar, even though I don't train MMA. Um, but I need, some, I need a fantasy, bro. Well, yeah, and, and my option number three is you're still committed to a fantasy. You're talking about it, and you're not going to really work for it. That feels a little bit more like option number one and two. But option <laughs> yeah, yeah. number three, which is mature, is you're still going to try to get a fantasy, so you're going to work on it. Like you and me have a fantasy that, oh, we can do this podcast, or we can do these this YouTube channel, and if we work at it, eventually it's going to get more and more popular. And then, oh, we're going to be rich and famous, and we're going to have our heads engraved on Mount Rushmore because we're so great. But we're like working at it, so it like gives us a mountain to climb, you know? That's fair. Okay, that that's fair, right? But so it's almost like... In in because this is the Christmas episode, I'm still waiting for. I, it's almost like I can't finish the episode without somehow a kind of a new promise of being delivered. The new Santa Claus. Look, Santa Claus clearly isn't coming because there is no Santa. But Trump was the next Santa, and now Biden is not a very good Santa Claus. No, I do dude. not want his. I don't be, think I anyone do not want believes in the, the Biden chimney. Santa Claus anymore. Did I don't want Biden like? like fumbling down the chimney in or whatever he's doing, right? Though I think Secret the, the reason Bi Biden has failed so much is the Democrats were so fucking desperate to get Trump out that they were just going to take the first motherfucker they could and just stick him in there because they were just like anyone but Trump. So they like picked like a super senile dude and it's like, oh my <laughs> God, couldn't you find someone who wasn't senile? <laughs> Jesus. Dude, this is not a very good Christmas story, Dave. 
Like I want okay, there to hold be. Hold on, but you want? I, I think I think we've I think we kind of have got a a Christmas promise for Christmas hope. So let, let me see if I can articulate. I think I think we've already said this, but let me just be clear: is that humans have this fairly juvenile obsession or addiction and a desire for magic or fantasy or to be delivered to Christmas bliss or romantic bliss or riches that they want that and it's not going to happen and when it doesn't they fucking crash and burn that's this thing we're struggling with but we've identified that but if parents teach their kids like we were talking about or adults can come to this more like balanced I even want to use the word integral or dialectical where like there is magic in the world and you can go out and have super romantic erotic evenings with your lady or you can find new projects that are really fun and hopeful as long as you sort of have like a one foot in one foot out dialectical integral more mature way that there is a way and i sort of feel like our country if we could sort of get to that level of listening to other people and we can be attached to our ideas but not too attached and we still need to open i sort of think that we could and i almost want to say hopefully we will eventually rise up to that level that we could get above this kind of juvenile bickering whatever attachment to my 2600 dollars bag thing dude okay so that was like an amazingly well thought of thought out grounded response to this question because it's almost like so when you start to say magical oh there is a magic i'm like oh really so astrology is the next thing and then we should also let's imagine other magical things like all birds are drones that's a fun magical thing right and unless you've shot a bird with a bb gun and or eaten a bird before or like seen a bird in a cage in the zoo it's like Dude, it's so obviously not a drone, right? Like, well, in in a way, but it's like astrology, obviously, when you start to imagine, like, really? So guys just sat around, they stared at the stars, and then somehow they, like, they, they literally had such an amazing, vast expanse of intelligence that they categorized all the stars into kind of a place from their one position on the planet, by the way. The, the people who were looking at it, they were, they were from on their one spot, and then they kind of created this whole thing, which is why there's... Eastern uh, astrology versus Western astrology, like you, you see from Tarnas, Richard Tarnas, which, you know what? I just realized this is totally screwed up what I'm doing. Like, well, I, don't want, I don't want to go down that. It's just uh, unpacking way too much into the, the, the world of mysticism and, and like magical understanding of the world outside of the, the reasons that we all look at, the, like through a different lens entirely. Well, but I, I thought that the question you were kind of wrestling with is like, is there magic in the world? And I think it, that's a super interesting question that you could we could really go on all kinds of different journeys in different directions about. But the, the very simple, clear answer is that the, the, the world is amazingly magical all over. I was just having a discussion with people about snowflakes and how every snowflake is different. And you remember when, maybe you didn't do this because you were in India, but most kids in America, when they're in their first grade, their first grade teacher gives them a black piece of construction paper and goes outside when it's snowing and the snowflakes fall and you look at them and they're fucking amazing and everyone is different or go 
like the birds, you're talking about birds, go bird watching and the different birds or flowers or music or art or just the amazing magical mystery just like of everything. It's like, it, oh, wow. it's, it obviously is magical. Okay. I, I like that as, uh, I'm just, I'm kind of looking for some kind of a cap to put on this almost for my own anxieties. What's your anxiety about? I have some weird anxiety about this like holiday, like the the arrival of this, it, and I can't quite put my finger on it. Huh. But now it's manifested into I I want this episode to end with some level of like cure for that anxiety. Yeah, I I literally do. I have anxiety from this conversation. Well, I think that I think that everyone had. I think honestly, everyone has anxiety all the time about everything, and especially about holidays, and especially about getting together with family. And we all have anxiety, and honestly, that's fine to have anxiety, and like, fucking have us have fun being playful and silly with your son, and like, go fucking have a snowball fight and like look at snowflakes, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Way to bring that home because I, I just like to bring a level of, of internal disturbance to the, to well, the discussion. I actually, I'm, we gotta stop. we're out of time. We've got to stop, which I'm disappointed in because it would be fun to try to like rip open your anxiety and dissect it and figure out what it's about. Yeah, definitely. That would have been fun. But okay, so the next, the next time we, we, we revisit this, it'll be 2022, man. Oh, New yeah. Year's when resolutions you, when are you leaving for Montana? Thing. What's that? When are you leaving for Montana? Oh, on Friday. Cool. Or, or Saturday morning. And so, um, yeah, I'll, I'll just be there for the next two weeks, man. Yeah, we're, I'm, I'm organizing a ski trip on a New Year's weekend, that weekend of New Year's. Oh, wow. And there's a chance we might come out to Big Sky, so I, I might even get to see you, but I'll let you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, because right now there's not enough snow. Just make sure you check in because... Yeah, I'm going to try. I got a few people, but I'm going to try to go where there's the most snow. And Tahoe yesterday got 40 inches, dude. Oh, wow, wow, wow. So I'm going to try to lobby to go to Tahoe, but who knows where we'll get dumped between now and January 1st, so... Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool, man. All right, dude. Well, until next time. All right. Okay, later. later.